We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 93. Our guest today has led the equitation and show jumping training ranks for years. As a junior, she rode for top professionals like George Morris and Rodney Jenkins, and then went on to start her own barn, North Run, which we all know today is a top equitation and jumper barn, which we usually see as top rankings of our equitation and jumper riders at end of the year finals. So are you ready to soak up all this knowledge our guest has to offer? Let's hear it from Missy Clark. I would love to hear about your story and I'd love to kind of take it all the way back to how you first got into riding and, and what that looked like to start. Uh, okay. Well, uh, my mom was professionally for years. Uh, I was the youngest of the family and I, uh, I was kind of the only one that took to riding. <laughs> So we, needless to say, formed a very strong bond, but she's the one who taught me how to ride. You know, when I was a little teeny kid, I remember being in the uh, riding with with her, uh, holding me in front of the saddle pretty much before I could walk. You know, it just progressed from there. And then I got my first pony and then, uh, you know, we were, we were kind of just working out of a local private stable, I guess is what I want to mm-hmm. say, that actually, ironically enough, was Mason Phelps' grand. Yeah mother's barn wow. <laughs> just outside of Buffalo, New York. And it was just yeah. her own family farm, but my mom was friends with, with her. Her name was Peach Taylor. She was amazing. Okay. And, uh, you know, they used to, we used to go fox hunting with her and, um, I spent hours and hours at that barn. And, um, and then I ended up getting my first horse was one that Mrs. Taylor bred. Uh, and, and we ended up buying that horse from her and, kind of went on from there. I ended up being a working student for a well-known Buffalo, New York professional named Chuck Graham. And probably from age 16, 17, you know, the last few years of my junior years and rode with him. And then then I went to college, uh, but I continued to ride for those years. And uh, one winter I took off in the middle of my four years of college and went to Florida with, um, with Rodney Jenkins which was amazing. Then uh, I still kept working with my mom out of our barn in East Aurora, New York. Then from there, I graduated from college and started, you know, that journey. But backtracking, I guess I forgot to mention a huge part of my education and what and my riding and my thought process and horsemanship and thinking uh, mm-hmm. came from George Morris. Um, I did my okay. first clinic with him when I was, I think, 13 years old. He came to the Buffalo Saddle and Bridal Club, and I just really connected with him in the way he presented things and the way he's such a fabulous teacher. And then from there, I took clinics with him pretty much every winter when he would come to Buffalo. And then I ended up going to Hunterdon for lessons with him. I had a jumper that we would drive there and I'd stay for weekends and have lessons. And then I progressed to him helping me at shows as I got a bit older. I had a couple jumpers that I did in some Grand Prix and stuff. And he, he was always so helpful and we continue to be friends to this day. Wow. 
going back to North Run, which actually my mom's business was called Fox Run Limited oh. in East Aurora, New York. And uh, we kind of started that from ground zero and nobody was showing on the big circuit. And, you know, we had some local people and then I still was showing myself for quite a few, many of those years mm-hmm. until I ran out of time because I started focusing more on my teaching. But it just slowly developed into... Uh, me having more students to teach, and we started locally uh, you know, around the Buffalo, New York area, and Syracuse, and Rochester, and uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, Toronto. We did a lot. I showed for years up at the Royal Winter Fair mm-hmm. as a kid and all the way through, and then it just gradually kind of expanded into what it's become today, which has been a long journey yeah. <laughs> along the way. Yeah, amazing. Um, starting from the beginning, when you were a young girl, what kind of, I mean, obviously you said that you had a strong bond with your mom, who was also a professional, correct? Yeah, she wrote professionally before she got married. Okay. And it was kind of a cool, brief backstory on that was that, you know, back in those days, they were such well-rounded horsemen, horsewomen, yes. because she rode jumpers, she rode hunters, she rode hackney ponies. She rode the hackney ponies that they drove. You know, she did did it all. So it was pretty cool. That's amazing. So obviously, I mean, there was such a good relationship there. Did you continue to train under your mom or or at what point did you move on to another training program? What did that kind of process look like with your training as a, as a young child? She took me to shows as a kid and Mm -hmm. when I was quite young. And then probably when I got to be the age where I was a working student for Chuck Graham, then she kind of stepped away from that part of it, but she was always there to support me and come to the horse shows and stuff. Yeah. And at what point would you say that you had kind of, you're kind of like, you know, thinking through what you're going to do with your life. And you're like, you know, I think this is going to be part of my life professionally, long-term. Yeah, that's a good question. I always loved uh, the horses and the showing and all of that. And I think when I went to college, I made a decision that this is probably what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And while you were in college, did you continue to ride consistently or did you take a little step back? What did that look like? No, I did ride quite a bit. As I think I mentioned earlier, I took the one semester off to go to Florida with Rodney Jenkins. But in and amongst all of that, I was still riding and would do the indoor circuit and the mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden was still happening and all of those. And yeah. so I was always backing and forthing a bit from college to from riding to college and vice versa. Yeah. What was your first experience like going to Florida? I know that uh, I'm also I'm from Wisconsin, like up in the north. And I always growing up, uh, you know, doing local stuff and wanting to uh, Florida was such a big goal and, you know, such a basically Disneyland for equestrian people. So uh, what was it like for you when you had your first opportunity to head down to Florida? Oh, it was amazing. You know, I had never traveled to this sort of a circuit specifically. We did some Mm -hmm. bigger shows like Oxridge and 
shows like that, but it was an eye opener for sure. And back then, the circuit was much shorter. I, I think it was only I think it was only four weeks with one break week in between. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> wow, that's that's really special. How did you first get in touch to your first clinic with George Morris? That was uh, how old were you again? Did you say? I think I was like thirteen. Okay, something like that. Yeah. Well, it was it was known in the area that he was coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't miss that. You know, that, that was big news that he was coming to the Buffalo Saddle and Bridal Club to give a clinic. So, you know, we all signed up to do it, and then it just continued. It was kind of an annual event that they had there, so that mm-hmm. progressed. It became an annual thing for for me to do that clinic for several years. Amazing, yeah, that's such a a special, I think, part of your training as a junior that makes you so unique as a trainer. What what are some things that I'm sure there's a million that you really take to heart in your training that you were taught from George? Well, I think the one thing in particular is is adhering to a system. You know, his system. It was so clear, and it isn't confusing. You know, he's, he's yeah. such a wonderful teacher, and he's such a showman the way he can present things. But it all made sense to me. You know, there was a logical progression of how he teaches, and it was always very thoughtful and based on correct horsemanship. And and he, he uh, you know, he paid attention to every detail, mm-hmm. and that really resonated with me as I got older, and I really think that so much of what I do is I know for a fact based out of George's uh, influence and system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So you were getting more experience. You were working with some, some top professionals in the industry, and then you get to the point where you are ready to start your own training program. What was that process like for you and, and what were um, kind of some visions you had for your own professional career? Well, I, I was kind of gathering some students along the way. Mm-hmm. So then it branched out into training, training as well as my own riding. And yeah, I, I just, you know, it, it, it's hard when you look back and you're in that moment, you don't really, it's hard to say, I, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, you know, uh-huh. no matter what you have a, you have a plan to just keep going, but you, you kind of have to let some of the things I think unfold actually in and amongst all of that. I did take one winter. So locally I had my own very, very small business. I can't remember how old I was at that point, early twenties or something mm-hmm. or mid twenties. It was, I had been a professional for long enough and I took an opportunity that was offered to me to ride in Florida one winter for Jimmy Lee. Okay. And I, I didn't know at that point when I did that, if I was, that was something I was going to stay and, and just do for the rest of, you know, an undetermined amount of time. But that, that, I think that was a turning point a little bit for me. And it was such a wonderful experience. Jimmy is such an awesome horseman mm-hmm. and I learned so much from him, but also by the end of Florida, it was kind of clear to me that I, you know, we had the business back at, in the East Aurora and, and that, that I was going to give it my all and, and mm-hmm. go back and try to get that up and running. So I never looked back at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, since then there's been, I'm sure lots of 
twists and turns and growth and, and learning so much of, and kind of like morphed into the program you have today. Tell me a little bit about your team and who and, and what kind of makes up North Run today. Well, for sure, my husband, John Brennan, who um, I think we've been married. <laughs> I love that. I think this is how much I know what's going on. Uh, I think April something. I always have to check. Uh-huh. It's horrible. I think it's April 17th is our anniversary. I'm really bad at stuff like this, clearly. No, I've only but been anyway. married for four years, and I always get my anniversary wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, good. You can relate. But uh, I think we're approaching the 18th year that we've been married come uh-huh. this April 17th-ish, somewhere around that negative one. And uh, John's been such a huge component to, to mm-hmm. North Run. You know, he's, I don't know why it works because we're, we're around each other all day, every day, but yeah, it really works. Yeah. He's great. And we both still ride a lot. He, he, he does a lot of the schooling and, and things like that if clients aren't around, but we have an amazing team right now between John Maggie Gamfer is my assistant. She's just, I can't say enough great things about mm-hmm. Maggie. She, she teaches great. She gets it. She, you know, she has the, the brain for the system, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she can organize. Uh, that's a, that's a hard job when you're organizing, uh, yeah. for the next day. 50, 60 something horses, (laughs) 70 horses. It depends on how many at a given show. Right. You have to have a a, a special way of thinking. And I've had other assistants along the way, and many of them have been great. But a few of them have been able to do, you know, that part of it, to have that brain, to know how to put put the schedule together every day. But she teaches so well. She rides great and. She's she's a really big part of the team. Uh, we I have, we have a great a great group of uh, Sammy Perlman is also another assistant rider. Uh, Anthony DeSimone. Uh, I've branched him out into another kind of part of what we're doing with with uh, one of our clients that has their own place and mm. and then our staff is amazing. Uh, I can't say enough about our staff and and then on the home front, Brian Robinson, who's probably worked with us for thirty years, maybe I don't mm-hmm. know how long it's been twenty twenty five anyway yeah wow. and he's kind of manages the home base and yep. in the winter, we only have a few horses, some of the re- retired ones that we leave behind, but when we're home and all together he he's an amazing horseman and just I can't say enough about Brian and he's a a rare bird in today's (laughs) world so we really have a great team so grateful for all of them and it it just works so well yeah I think that's pretty essential to a good program is is the team absolutely okay hold that thought because I would love to talk to you today about our sponsor StephX the StephX group has undergone numerous reincarnations from horse trading to horse trucks, luxury motorhomes, and five-star international equestrian event organizations. So in 2016, StephX turned to the U.S., offering its European design on an American-made Ram chassis, creating a new dynamic option for horse transport in the U.S. Built on a Ram ProMaster 3500 chassis with a powerful V6 engine combined with a six-speed automatic transmission, the StephX is fully warranted and can be serviced on any Ram dealership nationwide. Some standard features include two camera systems, soft rubber floor, multiple storage cabinets, bridle hooks, two saddle racks, and so much more. 
they comfortably fit large warm blood horses with easy conversion from two stall to box stall. All horses feel instantly at ease facing to the rear. They are based in Wellington, Florida. Delivery is available nationwide. For any information or inquiries, please contact Keith at Keith at StephX.com. That's K-E-I-T-H at StephX, S-T-E-P-H-E-X.com. Thank you, StephX. All right, let's get back to the episode. How did you and John meet? Does he have a big equestrian background? Um, yeah, for sure. John uh, John was born in Ireland, so he's an Irish lad. Okay. <laughs> and um, we met, uh, where do you think we met? We met at a horse show. I think it was Vermont in Sugarbush, ironically enough, because we oh, okay. ended up in Vermont years later, but we, I, didn't, I didn't have a farm up, up there at that point. Yeah, so we met at a horse show. <laughs> nice. At that point, uh, you didn't have your own program, or North Run wasn't started yet and that's is that something you started together no, that was still that, no north run was up and running but we were, i was based out of east aurora still in new right, york okay outside of buffalo so we didn't have the place in vermont uh initially when we met got it okay yeah i mean you touched on you guys are working together and seeing each other day in and day out being married myself i i, I understand how there'd be some great aspects to that and there'd be some very challenging aspects to that how do you make that work yeah that's a good question i don't know how we make it work but we do <laughs> and, uh john's pretty easygoing which is a huge <laughs> bonus totally. yep. um as far as you know he, he right now at this point in time he knows me so well and i know him mm. so it's and when I say easygoing, sometimes he's he's very intense about stuff, but easygoing as far as if there's some issue or disagreement, it's short-lived. Yeah. So that, that's, that's always great. You know, it doesn't go on and on for days like mm-hmm. uh, some people might <laughs> do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. I, yeah, definitely some, some give and take for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. For sure. So as you were getting more and more into your structure and kind of getting into your groove with North Run, obviously uh, I, I'm sure the success came with that as well and having more wins at uh, bigger shows and, and going to indoors. And uh, what, what was your experience like, or what was your first um, kind of experience or big experience as a trainer that, you know, sticks out in your mind as far as some of those big finals uh, like indoors or uh, metal finals or some big events like that? Well, for sure. I'd have to go back to one of my first students, Sheila Burke from the Burke mm-hmm. family. Amazing family. I'm still very close with them and her sister Kathleen Road also. But Sheila, they lived in Elmira at New York. I was still in East Aurora. And they decided they wanted to ride with Missy Clark. Uh, so that began. And <laughs> Kathleen was on a pony and Sheila had a children's hunter. And that went all the way from that moment to mm-hmm. she was my first student to get a ribbon in the medal finals to oh. she was my first student to ride for the United States equestrian team to wow. she was my first student to win the Dublin Grand Prix style of riding at Hickstead and that was that was an amazing journey. Wow. <laughs> that really is was. so special. At what point were you um, still running North Run focused and, and riding yourself? 
to when you kind of mentioned earlier, you, you decided to pivot and focus more on your training versus your riding. Yeah, I can't remember the exact date, but I, I mean, I showed a lot and rode mm-hmm. a lot my, myself for years and years. And then it was probably, gosh, I don't even remember. Uh, it's been a while because mm-hmm. I just, I just, it was just me originally, you know, yeah. I didn't have a barn manager specifically. I didn't mm-hmm. have a secretary. I didn't have uh, an assistant trainer. So it was just me right. and, and, Doing the, it and all. the kids that I did. <laughs> so I, exactly. Exactly, and, and yeah. it just got to the point when I I, I just had to make a choice because I, I would always run out of time for for my horses and the things that I needed to get done at my end because I had to focus on the clients. So that choice was you know it was a hard one to make, but it was I, I'm gonna guess I don't know how long it's been. I can't even tell you. It's been a good, <laughs> probably. It's been a minute. So I, I was still showing when I met John, and I'd mm-hmm. say, eight, yeah, eighteen-ish years since we've been married. Maybe a little less than that. Okay. So it's been a bit of time for sure. <gasps> Yeah. Do you miss showing? You know, I do sometimes, but I also, I'm so immersed in all of this. I, I don't really have time to miss it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, yeah. I'm so focused on all of this, but I, I still ride every day and I, uh, you know, it's not like I'm not riding, but I just, there are not enough hours in the day to do all the things we have to do with the clients. And exactly. You, you yeah. have to pick one thing or the other at one point or another. So. That's what I did. Yep. When you were growing up kind and of at the point to where you were deciding, okay, I think I want to do this full time. Did you always think that you wanted to do the training component as well? Or were you at first more focused on like, okay, I got a ride. I got a show more focused on the, on your own career. Uh, I think everybody who's showing a fair amount probably is focused on their riding. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the world also was a different place back then, and it wasn't so intense, I'd, I'd say. So you could focus on your riding and have a few clients, and it okay. was it was easier. Today, everybody does all of it, but it's it usually involves a team of people, and, you know, mm-hmm. it's a big operation to to do all the things you need to do. But, yeah, for sure, I'd say I initially was focusing on my own riding. Uh-huh. Yeah. I always find that interesting because I think, I think maybe when you were transitioning into a professional, it seemed like it was more uh, a common to ride and to train well, because I think all around there were maybe some better horsemanship qualities to the professionals. And it, we see like obviously changes and shifts where it, it seems like now in order to stay successful and relevant and whatever that there is like kind of what you were saying more and more of a, a team and like maybe like specializing in different areas and delegating a little bit more. <laughs> When you are looking ahead to these next couple you know, months, uh, the next year or so, what are some things, I'm obviously in the falls a big time for finals, what are some things you do with your students leading up to, let's, let's focus on equitation for a minute, what are some, some things that you work on with your students at home that really help you know, make a difference in when it comes to those big events? in the fall? You know, I don't think there's any magic wand for all of that. It's a culmination uh-huh. of mileage and experience and 
to staying in a program. And I, I think, uh, you know, we do the homework and the lessons yeah. and the legwork. You know, today I had two sessions of two people in each, two, two one for equitation and one for Grand Prix jumpers. So yeah. it isn't for me. It's good horsemanship is good horsemanship. I don't think there's any specific thing other than what we do. Okay, right now with the world the way it is, it's it's a different dynamic. And actually, that's the only good thing out of all of this is it's been a step back and it feels like the old days, you know, when you're not running from horse show to horse show and you can yeah. really spend time with individual horses, individual people. And uh, that I've enjoyed tremendously, but that, that's the only thing, you know, as far as getting ready for the indoor circuit, whether you're, you're taking one of your Grand Prix riders or your metal finals riders, it's uh-huh. kind of the same program. You know, we just do, do our thing. We do a fair amount of showing and we do our lessons. And I think we're prepared just by virtue of more seasoned riding and, and they just have to do it enough. There's no magic, mm-hmm. anything. Absolutely. Have you found that a lot of the horses that you have found and used over the years have been from the U S or are you, do you import a lot? What does that kind of look like for your program? Yeah, no, I'd say most of ours are from Europe originally. The whole world has changed so much. And mm-hmm. back a million years ago, you, you didn't hear about imports from Europe now. They're almost exclusively one point or another coming from Europe, whether you buy them here and they've already been imported or you uh-huh. go over and you bring them back here. But uh, I'd say 100% of our burns yep. originated from Europe. Right. What would you say is an area of the equestrian? world that you're particularly passionate about just from all of your experience and knowledge and training that you feel like the rest of the industry either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk enough about? Well, one of the things that we're, John and myself and a group of us are very involved with, and I think more and more people are talking about, and they certainly uh, are aware of the Kevin Babington Foundation Mm. and some of the foundation work that we do, but that has been set up to generate support for Kevin, who had that, that horrible injury at um, Southampton last year. And he's paralyzed, and he's we're all sure he's going to improve, and he has shown improvement. But yeah. not only are we focusing on Kevin, and I think a lot of people are very aware of that, but the other part that maybe they're not aware of that the foundation has the intent and the vision to try to educate people about uh, safety, better safety measures uh, at horse mm-hmm. shows, whether it's the the safety vests that you can use now with the airbags mm-hmm. and get that out uh, more in the mainstream and educating uh, horse show managers, the protocols that should be in place if something like that happens again and that in, an injury of that seriousness happens that a lot of things, frankly, should have been handled differently at that moment. And people just, they don't know, you know, it wasn't by no other reason that they're just, people don't know. And and we hope, Kevin Babington Foundation hopes that we can educate people and really inspire them to uh, think about safety and, and not be afraid of going out and getting those safety vests or their 
they're a game changer. Uh, I mean, uh, Martin Folks, number two in the world, was just number right. one. He wears one every time he goes in the ring. And yeah. we remember years ago when when the, the 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 helmets were changed, it was like the world was coming to an end. People yeah. thought, "Oh my God, they're so ugly!" And uh, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just commonplace now. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of changes that need to be made in that department and educating people about, uh, you know, all the things that we should be aware of in this industry because it isn't, you know, if somebody like Kevin Babington, an Olympic rider, can get hurt, anybody can. And I think that you you, got to keep your guard up and you have to be smart about a lot of things. And I think we, we don't talk about that enough. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it was definitely a wake up call for a lot of people for sure. Cause I mean, such a talented rider and exactly what you said, it, it's a dangerous sport at the end of the day and things can happen and it can happen to anyone. My girls ride in vests also, but mm-hmm. I always hear their friends or whoever talk about if, and should hunter riders wear the vests with, you know, the, the classic hunter attire, there's, you know, some arguments about that or, or Eck riders. What what's your kind of take on as far as safety vests go in those rings? I think there's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't be in that ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the way that no they're reason. making them now, there's there's a plenty of brands where it, it like they they've done so well with the overall style of it. They don't they don't hardly look bulky at all. No, really, you don't notice them at all. Some of the brands, it's amazing. We, uh, John and I, help. Um, we have a, a great working relationship with uh, Stefex Stables from Belgium, and we train Zoe Kunter and Emily Kunter when they're here uh, in Florida for the Winter Circuit we did last year, and then this, this current past year. And uh, both those girls wear those safety vests, and you don't you don't even notice it. Exactly, exactly. Wow, yeah, and that, that that's that's such a great point, and it's definitely something that through something so so tragic and and awful that um, hopefully there can be a little bit more conversation about this and and bring some good from it. Missy, with all that, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Your experience and knowledge are amazing and such a big part of the industry, and I wish you all the best. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.